Hello, hello. This is Mixtape and Identity. I'm your host, Shane. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 45, and my guest this week is Nick Coker. Thank you so much for joining me for the 45th case of Mixtape and Identity. My guest this week is Nick Coker. Uh, Nick is a comedian and writer, most notably from Britannic, a sketch comedy duo, uh, which you can find on YouTube, and also a writer with you know the likes of SNL and It's All the Sunny. I actually came across th- Nick through Michelle Brazier, a uh, friend of the show, <laughs> Michelle Brazier. Um, they shared the same space at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Michelle talked uh, on Instagram about um, how great uh, these guys were, so I just thought I'll uh, reach out to him and see if he's up for doing the show, and he was, and very, very happy about it as well. The, the list, the, the songs that came through initially, great list, uh, an awful lot of fun. I knew I was going to have fun with it from the moment I saw it because there's a few uh, very out there choices. Nick said that he made a conscious effort to not try and be cool and uh, well, mission accomplished. But no, there's some great songs in there and some some choices that I thought, you know, there's going to be a story to this, there's going to be an explanation for this. So uh, I was very, very excited. And yeah, it's, it's a great chat. It's a really, really good episode. If you're new here, if this is your first time listening, then just let you know that the list that we're talking about, the playlist, it is available on Spotify. We released that on a Monday ahead of the podcast coming out on a Thursday. So you can check that out. Um, Mixtape and Identity is the profile on Spotify. Um, or you can find all the links uh, in the description of the podcast. And Instagram is the best place for any updates at Mixtape and Identity. I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now, we'll get into episode 45 of Mixtape and Identity with Nick Cooper. How often do you actually listen to music at the moment, Nick? Um, not. I mean, I I listen to music every day, certainly, but like I'm not as I'm I'm not as like exploratory with music as I have been in the past. I've I've like my twenties. I was much more yeah, sure. obsessed with listening to music and finding new music and like you know really. I don't know. Um, it was just a much bigger part of my life, and now the 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 time that music occupied in my headphones has also now been shared with audiobooks and podcasts and stuff. So uh, I'll listen to music right. when I'm working out, uh, and that's primarily it. And then biking around. Uh, I'm in New York, and and biking around the city. I love listening to music. Okay, happy days. That's actually one of my sort of standard questions is like, do you do you try to find new music or do you have like old familiar that you go back to? Um, I it's I would say it's about half and half. I think that there's, uh, okay. I definitely like to to find new stuff, but I don't work as hard as it anymore, yeah. and I you know rely on the algorithms yeah, sure. to to give me stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was gonna say like because I think those two activities that you described are basically those to me are, are definitely times where I would want to have all familiar like I have a specific working out playlist and if I'm traveling or if I'm not able to like change a song like if I'm driving or I don't, I don't cycle but if I was at driving I'd need songs that I know I'm going to enjoy because I don't want to sit and listen to a three minute song that I'm not into yeah I can't do anything about it like a hell yeah, yeah, yeah. captive by it you know so do you will you plan out a playlist before you drive 
I I have it. Well, I mean, to be honest, the, the majority of my music listening over the last year has been dominated by doing this show. So I'm mm-hmm. primarily listening to the playlist that that guests send to me, so I can get oh, used cool. to the songs. Um, but I do have um, I have a a playlist in Spotify. I just call it the vibe, um, and it's just songs that I'm into at that moment, and I'm getting better at adding and deleting songs from it so it's i'm decent at it now keeping it fresh um because i used to go back to i've talked about this before but like my most played songs you know spotify does your top 100 Mm -hmm. i had that for 2017 and that was my the playlist i listened to in 2018 2019 2020 which in the end got grim (laughs) so (laughs) that's why i'm quite glad that i'm doing stuff like this um so yeah that's kind of what dominated so but yeah i have a specific list for the for the gym and for you know if i'm just out and about as well so i have a we had a in my 20s my my buddy michael goldberg and jeff chan and i had the shared playlist that we called triple trouble and we were so respectful of this playlist we were constantly adding stuff to it but like we would we would we were adding songs that we thought the other two would like because okay. we had like we all have different tastes of music but like there are certain songs that we would all sync up on and it would be like really sure. really fun like you know m- mostly fun songs i guess is what i would describe and it yeah. was such a good playlist for so long yeah. and then we started adding people to it and it was like ah they did not respect the playlist as much and then just a bunch of stuff got dumped on there that I was like what on earth like someone put like some song like it was like kind of meant to be like you're exposing the other two people to a song they've never heard before and then like there was somebody who was putting on like like you know songs that were like that everyone knew like songs you know like a Bob Dylan song that like like the you know yeah sure but let me actually i'm gonna look up and see exactly because we still have it and i know <laughs> i'm gonna see exactly when it went bad and i if any of these friends are listening to it i'm not sorry you know what you did you ruined something great but we started a new <laughs> one and then we didn't really i wonder if we just if, if the original has been so do the three of you have a new playlist that's exclusive to you now we do, but we haven't. I'm looking at it now, and it's like, I think I think we must have started it over because I can't see it. I don't know. It was some. Anyhow, they put a bunch of garbage on it, and uh, it ruined something great. Now it's gone forever, I guess. Yeah. But that was a great way of like finding new music for me because uh, we all yeah. we we all got really passionate about it. It became like like I would like actively search songs out that would be right for Triple Trouble to excite the other people and then we would like regularly after somebody added something there'd be we had a text thread as well right and uh yeah nice Nice. great fun that's quite yeah it's quite good um i i'm just thinking back to when i did similar thing like try to curate playlists for my friends and stuff and i think i tried to do that but i was also trying to be very cool at the same time so it was all mm-hmm. like deep cuts and like album tracks and stuff like that um whereas now I, I do tend to enjoy stuff that's maybe a little bit more mainstream um 
So yeah, that was what yeah. was so fun about this is that there was no real, there was no trying to be cool at all. And in fact, yeah. there's kind of songs that were not cool that were kind of like yeah. cheesier songs because they were two of my friends that I, I, we, we all felt comfortable liking yeah. the music together. I did actually another music podcast show years ago where it was like picking a playlist, but you pick the theme for the playlist and the playlist theme that I picked was songs that you would play when you're trying to impress someone. Uh, Because there's definitely playlists where it's like, I'll listen to this playlist if I've got my headphones in and I'm alone and I'll listen to this playlist. If there's somebody cool in my car that I want them to think (laughs) that I'm cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice to have that with friends that you can just be yourself with and a little bit more vulnerable with your music taste. I got yeah. I got to a point where I stopped giving a shit to be honest. So I think I would probably have that playlist with with anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's like. good. That's yeah. emotionally <laughs> healthy. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Look, we'll we'll get into the list then. So, song one is a song that you fell in love with straight away. So you've gone for Among Savages, New York City. Yes. This was a song. I think my friend Becca Gleason sent me this song. Or or had posted about the song. I know I found out about it from her, but I don't know exactly how that happened. And it 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 scratched me right where I itch. I like love uh a song about New York. I'm pre- I pretty much like all of them. <laughs> um, and <Right>. okay. <laughs> this was also like it was in like 2012, I think. I think I heard it like 2011, and it was like a favorite song. And then I moved out of New York in 2012 to Los Angeles, and I had I went to Los Angeles kicking and screaming. I did not want to move there, and I had gotten a job, and it was like okay finally moving out there taking this big leap and i remember i just had like a goodbye dinner like every night for a month and like we we had like i wrote like a big cheesy blog post about like how much i loved the city uh and 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 then like and just sobbed in the cab on the way to the airport like just crying i like like hugged my roommates as I left I like really was so sad to leave and then the show that I was writing for got cancelled like within three months and and within five months I was back living in New York (laughs) wow okay so it was uh were you listening to the song at the time yeah I was listening to it constantly especially like during that last the last month I was in the city I was just biking around listening to it constantly just feeling it with all of my being okay are you are you from new york originally no i moved to new york i'm from atlanta georgia originally and i moved to new york uh when i was 18 to go to college and then i stuck around for another six years so i was there for 10 years uh and then moved to la I technically, so I moved to LA in 2012, then moved back to New York for another two years. Then in 2014, I moved to LA, I thought permanently at that point. Then two years later, I got a job writing for SNL, Saturday Night Live, and uh, had to move back to New York. 
And at this point, right. all of my friends had left New York. So it was no longer like the magical, wonderful place that I wanted to be. Right. And I sort of wanted to be back in LA because that's where all of my close friends were. And right. then, and then now I'm, I'm kind of back living in New York for a bit and mm -hmm. really enjoying it even though I don't have a ton of friends here, but it's kind of because of, you know, with the pandemic and then also my friends like getting married and all having kids, it was like, it's like, oh, I'm not seeing them a ton in LA anyhow. And I can always go back yeah, sure. whenever I need to. And so it's like, it's, I'm, I'm discovering New York kind of in a new way and also having to remake friends here uh, in my right. uh, mid thirties, which is, you know feel psychotic to do <laughs> you feel like a real creep being like do you want to hang out with me <laughs> yeah um yeah not not to, not to bring the mood down but um one of the things i spoke to michelle about was exactly this and uh yeah i without going into too much detail i am basically in a position where i'm uh remaking friends yeah uh, at the age of 31 and yeah it's fucking weird it's it's weird just talking to men and <laughs> like, like i i like sometimes like sometimes i talk to my wife about like sometimes you watch dating shows and i'm like god i'm so glad i don't have to do that and then yeah talking to men and I, like trying to see if they are people that you'd maybe want to hang out on, with on a semi-regular basis it's like yeah no i don't like i don't like this either um it's very strange yeah, it's interesting. It's like the threshold because there's like a lot of people that I, I know here that I'm not that close friends with that are kind of like tertiary friends of friends who I like perfectly well. But I'm sort of like, if I were to like call you up and be like, hey, let's go to dinner, it would be yeah. escalating our friendship to a place yeah. that I'm like, I don't know that either of us are wanting yeah. to become that close friends because we had the opportunity and didn't sort of do that and now i'm yeah. back and i'm and they're there and it's like i, I still i'm sort of like i kind of just need to meet someone from scratch but it's yeah. slowly happening i mean i think it's all there's also something really fun to it because when you do meet someone new that's i think it's it's mm. it's a good skill to definitely keep sharp <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's also interesting about dating because you go out on dates with people. And what I found when I was dating is I'd go out on a bunch of dates and it's like I'd start to get good at dating. And then around right. that time, I would enter into a relationship. And then you're in a relationship for however, however long. And then you're single again. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just like, just when I sharpened my skills at this, they got completely dull because you don't want to keep those skills sharp. You don't want to be good at dating <laughs> when you're in a committed relationship. No, there's and no so good way to practice it's, that. It's such a weird, you know, it's a weird sport where the moment you get good at it, you have to instantly retire. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, I guess I was asking about um, living in New York City, because obviously the song itself is very, it's very heavy on the New York City identity, right? Yeah. And that's like, that's a, that's a moment big thing. moment one. With, <laughs> yeah. 
but particularly that seems to be particularly a bit a bit of a, a new york thing and obviously a lot of cities and particularly american cities have that very strong identity but i think new york in particular seems to be quite passionate about what makes a new yorker yeah and i would say i've never really romanticized the city other than new york like atlanta a lot of my friends have a lot of atlanta pride i couldn't care less i don't i don't (laughs) care it like there are songs about atlanta i don't listen to them i don't i'm just sort of like whatever the atlanta braves won the world series at some point i couldn't have cared less i also don't care about sports but i it's like i i was just i can't can't even tell you when it was or if i felt anything um los angeles certainly not nobody has any (laughs) nobody (laughs) who lives in los angeles is actually from los angeles um i mean obviously that's not true but and there are people that have la pride but i it's you know it's there's nothing to me los angeles i like los angeles right now because i really like all the people in it as a city i like there's no contest i don't like all the people in los angeles actually let me be very clear i like about 14 people in los angeles right now okay Uh, and i like them very much uh but then but as a city i'm just sort of like it's not bad it's fun i like it but yeah. It's like New York, you know, I like right now I don't have many friends in New York and I'm so happy being here. I feel so inspired. Yeah, yeah. It feels so and and we were talking earlier about having I did the Edinburgh Fringe this year and it, that was so inspiring just being I just really fell in love with like live theater and it it, it made me mm. so and live comedy specifically and it's and there's a absolutely a live comedy scene in LA, but like in New York, it feels much more. It doesn't feel as as cheap as it as it can in LA. In LA, right. you can do a show and sort of it it like everybody's in that same industry. There's no real, it's your audience right, okay. is made up of like actors and writers and industry agents and you know people that work at the studios and. It's right. whereas in New York and in other cities, people are at the comedy clubs or out at you know comedy theaters because they want to see comedy, not for any yeah. other reason. Um, right. Which is great, and yeah, New York City just is has has a life of its own, and uh, it's like you could just feel it walking around. Like walking around, I'm just so happy uh, in this yeah. city. And then and then winter comes and I hate its guts and I want to leave. And that's also <laughs> what I like. What I love about New York also is it it meets you it meets you halfway. Like it you know, you you walk around like you'll have a bad day in New York and you'll walk around and it'll smell bad and it'll be raining and everyone's like, Yeah, man, it fucking sucks. And then in LA you'll have the same bad day, but you're walking around and everyone, it's just like everyone's smiling and it's sunshine. And it's just like, <laughs> isn't this great? Isn't it wonderful? And it's like, it's nice when you're going to it from the winter of New York, but like right. every day for eternity, it gets a little, it's a little crazy making. Yeah. Yeah. Patronizing. LA. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, it's so glossy and it's Photoshopped and it's like, it's trying to like, <clears throat> be something that it's not quite whereas new york is kind of like you know it's it shows you its flaws 
it's yeah. uh, okay. you know it's not photoshopping out its wrinkles fair enough yeah absolutely um all right we'll move on then song two is a song that took you a while so you've gone for all my friends by lcd sound system yes um yeah lcd sound system i remember i first heard of them i guess i was in college probably one of my friends was like say said told me like like one of her favorite bands was lcd sound system and i thought she was talking about Oreo speedwagon <laughs> like <laughs> oh you like and i was like oh aren't they like an older band she was like oh yeah kind of they've been around for a bit and i was like oh, okay cool that's weird i didn't think you we had this whole conversation about it where i thought it was Oreo speedwagon the whole time uh and then i remember listening to their album that this song is on i believe right it was it's came out in like 2000 sound of silver 2007 oh yeah so i didn't even i i remember listening to this is happening actually was i think the first album that i listened to by them and i was sort of like and i liked dance yourself clean but i kind of wasn't really i didn't really get them and I right. didn't, and I just sort of was like, oh yeah, they're not. and then I remember seeing like a skiing video. There was this weird skiing mm-hmm. video that had been cut to, I think, Dance Yourself Clean. That was so cool. It's like this skier, like skiing around, like kind of like off-road skiing through this, some city where it's like, they're like grinding on rails and it's like not on a slope and it's cut to Dance Yourself Clean. And it was really cool. And that made me like them a little bit more. And then they were the musical guests when I was on SNL. And right. one one of the best parts of that job is you can go see them, the music, whoever the musical guest is, you can go see them rehearse. You can go uh, see them. Uh, and, and during the live show, you can go down and, and watch them. Although that could be harder right. because they limit who, who can go down. And I remember I got to work early for some reason and they were playing and I was like in the writer's room and the writer's room that I was in the downstairs one overlooks right where the musical guest plays and so I was there early and I remember looking out and seeing them playing and being like oh cool and then I saw Sarah Schneider who was the head writer for SNL at the time sitting in the audience uh, mm-hmm. watching them and I and I was like I like sort of waved at her and she beckoned me to come over and I went out and sat with her in the audience we watched them play two songs which was Call the Police and American Dream and it was like so cool I was like so they were just rehearsing and it was incredible uh, yeah. and I was like really instantly fell in love with those songs and so I started listening to that album and then I, w- I watched every single rehearsal that they did I watched their so that was like their first rehearsal. Then I, they did one with lighting, and then they did the dress rehearsal for the show, and then they did the live show. And I, I snuck down and I saw all of them because it was I was like mm-hmm. really captivated. And then I went to see them at Brooklyn Steel that December. They still do like residencies there in New York, and it was such a cool concert. And at, at that concert, they played all my friends, and right. so it, it in like in the sense that this song took me a while i had heard it i think in the past but just never really thought about it and then see hearing it live at this concert that became my favorite song by them and then there's like so many great memories i have to that song of of one 
seeing it live at Brooklyn Steel. I've been to that concert a couple times. Uh, then they played it at the very end of my friend Beck and Jesse's wedding that I had officiated. Uh, it was like the after party and the DJ played all my friends and it, like everybody was just like jumping up and dancing to it. And it was so great. And there's something about yeah. like, you know, I don't even know what the, the song actually means, but like what it, what, how I interpret it is like just about like being with your friends and like, yeah. uh, having a good time. That's definitely the association I have in my head because that's what I've been doing to that song every single time I've heard it. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, I haven't really looked into the lyrics too closely, but but musically, it definitely has that energy. Like one yeah. Of and then there's um, like a documentary they did that's really cool that mm-hmm. like uh, has um, that song. It, it's such a great like video version of them performing that song uh, on that documentary. I, I would like put that documentary on in the background. Uh, okay. while I was like getting ready for a night out uh, it was great I'll give that a go yeah it, I mean it, def- it definitely has that energy um, in fact I think by you picking this song I think it is now officially the song of the podcast because I think now it's been picked three times which is the most of any yeah. I was going to so, ask yeah. what, has, what has been picked the most that surprised I also for the my other podcast I picked this because this is a song that I play to impress people because I feel like LCD right. Sound System is a cool band. And yeah. No, I agree. And the the host of it was like was like clearly did not like the song and she's like, "Yeah, it was interesting. It sort of feels like just like kind of like a like it was like a weird song. I didn't I don't know why it would like impress people." And I was like, "I do not I we are not on the same wavelength on this song." <laughs> I well, it did take me a while in the sense, like, so the first time that I listened to the song was was for this show, and um, there's a it's an artist in uh, Australia called Wolf J who picked this song, and they picked it because it genuinely just took them a while to get into the song, and I think it's the it's the piano mm-hmm. um, that goes throughout because the first couple of times I listened to it, it was like Chinese water torture. It's like all I could yeah. hear was this was this piano. And then I don't know. There's just something about it where it just it just clicks, and then it, yeah. it just becomes this this wonderful thing. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's the type of song that you could listen to in a very chilled environment. It's the kind of song you get up and dance to. I think it also has that sort of you know certain songs have a have an almost like nostalgic quality to them, in that you could imagine a slow motion montage of people dancing to this mm-hmm. song, and it totally. would work. Um. So yeah, it um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's it is an amazing song, and yeah, as I said, it's now officially the the song of the of the podcast. And <laughs> um, the the other the other two songs that have been knocked off the perch now, um, Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar, uh-huh. and uh, Night Shift by Lucy Dacus. Oh wow, I don't think I've heard either of them. Right, okay, um, both both great. Um, yeah. Lucy is it Dacus or Dacus Lucy Dacus um, actually has a project with Julian Baker who we'll come on to oh cool um, yeah um, alright so we'll move on to song three song three is a song from your introduction to music 
So you've gone for The Night Santa Went Crazy by Weird Al. Yeah, Weird Al. I remember this would have been, I would have been in, God, I don't even know, like third grade, fourth grade or something like that. And I did not like music before then. I was not into music for most of like, you know, till I was, I guess, 10, 11, I think that it would have been. Like, I was just like, I we made fun of, like, I remember one of my friends was really into the Beatles and like me and another friend made fun of him more like, he likes music. Like, <laughs> we just had no interest in it, did not care for it at all. And then... I heard uh, specifically Weird Al's Amish Paradise, which was a parody of Coolio's Amish Paradise. And I saw the album cover for Bad Hair Day, Weird Al's album, where he's has Coolio hair. It's a, it's a direct parody of the Coolio cover. And I thought it was so, I thought the photo was so funny. I thought that I really liked the song, gangster's paradise i i had like that and then this like version of it that was comedy made me enjoy that even more i was like oh i prefer this because it's got the music that i like and it's like silly and then and that made me ask for the cd for christmas i think and i got the cd for christmas i remember playing it and the night santa went crazy i thought there would never be a funnier thing that could exist. <laughs> I thought it was, it was like if Mozart could compose comedy, <laughs> he would have composed The Night Santa Went Crazy. I thought it was yeah. so funny and it was like, I also thought it was a catchy song that rocked mm. and I listened to it on loop for so much of my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. It really captures that kind of um, like Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Anything. yeah but obviously obviously elevates it <laughs> yeah it's wild just also like that weird al is still like my writing partner brian is obsessed <laughs> with weird al he he right. has never i was obsessed for bad hair day and then that was it i was kind of like i i yeah. feel, felt i had sort of moved on i didn't really have much interest in him uh, yeah, uh, sure. Although every time I'd hear a Weird Al song, I'd be like, eh, "That's funny. I like it." Yeah. Uh, I never like disliked Weird Al, but he was consistently obsessed with him, and and still right. is. And I've right. got him tickets to see Weird Al live, like five years ago or something. We went to the Hollywood Bowl, saw Weird Al at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, right. I. I then I weirdly met Weird Al because we did this strange VR short film together, and I got him to record a message for Brian, which <laughs> made Brian's hair turn white. And we, but we were talking about this, Brian and I. Brian was like, "He's like no one's maintained, like few few artists are able to maintain their relevancy the way that he has. Not that he's like been." consistently in the public eye but he's like still been putting out albums still been like yeah and and people love him he like mm-hmm. tours and he sells out and it's like it's wild that he's a one-man industry like who else is doing like 
specifically parody songs. There's like every couple of years, a an album will come out of comedy songs from someone different, but it's like, they're yeah. not, they're not parody songs. He's the only one who does that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the UK, we have a couple of people doing that. And oh, sure. For it. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think, yeah, I, I, I think with parody songs in general, I think Weird Al a little bit, but but mostly so it's, it's Lad Baby and there's a uh, radio DJ called Chris Moyles who did a lot of it for for a bit, and uh, I think sometimes it's basically like the title is the joke, right, and that's it, and then it's kind of like well, okay, okay, so we've we've come up with the title, we've come up with the joke, now we yeah. have to write an entire song, whereas listening to this like it's really tightly written like it's it's yeah. genuinely very very good like it's like from a comedy perspective yeah it is actually amazing i think that's that's what i you know will still respect about him is that it's like one you are 100 percent authentically yourself you wanted to do yeah. this one thing you are doing this one thing <laughs> And yeah. you're doing it really well, and you put a lot of work into it, and care yeah. a lot about it, and it's like, yeah, yeah. And I agree. I agree even with with comedy songs that are not parodies. I often don't like them because I think they're too long. For like, there right. is there's the first chorus is the joke, and then yes. there's like two, three more choruses, which is basically the same joke. And it's like you'd never yeah. do this with a scripted joke. You wouldn't like. Like a three minute yeah. long knock knock joke would be insane. Yeah. Like you want to get in and get out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um So I think the best <laughs> comedy songs are like really quick hits, like Adam Sandler's new special or live mm. special from I guess a few years ago was so yeah. good. I loved all of those songs in a yeah. large part because they were just like they he got in and out really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bo Burnham does that incredibly well as well. Yeah, where the, Bo Burnham's amazing. The the, the yeah. chorus will come back, but in it 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 it'll mean something different the second time round, or it'll have like a different twist yeah. on it and things like that. Which, yeah, I think is I think you're right. There there are a lot of comedy songs where you're like, yeah, and he's yeah, also I, now I inside Bo Burnham's inside special. I thought was like absolutely transcendent. Like I was just like, you're just making oh, legitimately good music that happens to be funny at this point. Yeah. It's just yeah, art at this point. Yeah. It's just like yeah. A, yeah, a commentary. It's yeah, it was incredible. Um yeah, I, I could talk about Bobonum for a while, so we'll we'll move on. Uh song four is the song that makes you happy. So you've gone for Ugly Heart by GRL. Yeah. This is this is me leaning away from me deliberately making an effort to not be cool because I would never admit that I like the song in uh, <laughs> in public sure. but I was just like yeah this song makes me happy it's mm. I, I disagree with like the messaging entirely I think of the song it, like it's them just being like <laughs> you're, you're pretty but you're, you're horrible inside which I don't yeah. really think about it's just more catchy as all hell right and yeah. whenever I play it for people like in a car it everybody is smiling and bopping around even if they are also making fun of it a bit yeah yeah i felt that way because it's it's a very strange song in a lot of ways like the yeah. ukulele 
combined with the weird synth in the high end and then a chorus that makes it sound like they can't sing even though the verses show that they definitely can it's yeah. it's very odd but i oddly compelling i, I can't I, yeah like, i like this song i couldn't help but like this song yeah it, against my it's, better judgment <laughs> i even like i remember posting somebody posted a video of me drunk dancing to this song while we were like in the right. drive-through line like i wasn't driving wasn't drunk and drink i wasn't drinking driving drunken driving yeah i um i was just in the back seat and i was like dancing around to it i had put it on and i was like goofily dancing we were getting del taco and i i think they posted it i reposted it to my insta story and i had like three to five people message me and be like what is that song i'm 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 <laughs> really obsessed with the song um so it's it's definitely catchy. I remember hearing it. I was in West Hollywood, which is the, uh, my least favorite neighborhood on the planet. I think because it's just <laughs> okay. so like so trendy, and everybody's always looks their best, and I find that annoying. I like the East Side of LA, where people look like normal people, and they haven't right. done like a full face of makeup to like go out and get a cup of coffee. People look like slobs. Sure. I like to live where people look like slobs. And yeah. so I was in some bar, I think I was waiting for something. I had to like kill an hour and I went into some bar and I was like having a seltzer or something. And this song was blast. They were playing the music video for the song and it was blasting. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this song? And then two minutes later I was like shazamming it and, and <laughs> downloading it. <laughs> yeah 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 i i get it i get it i think yeah the first couple of times i was like this is such an odd song yeah yeah weird um all right song five is the song that makes you sad so you've gone for sour breath by julian baker yes and i could have probably chosen any song off of this album turn out the lights um right. I don't know how I got exposed to Julian Baker, but I was li I listened to her this album on loop when I was it would have been 2017, and it was like I was it was my second year writing for SNL. I was not particularly happy, and it was winter, and it was just like that. That song is where I lived. I'd get excited, like something bad would happen. And I would get excited almost to go home and listen to this album of like, oh, I've earned my sad song tonight. Like, I'm so excited <laughs> to like put this on and like look out the window at the rain and just feel sorry for myself. Right. Yeah. And if you and like I was like I re-listened to it and I was looking at the lyrics and I was just like, God, this is just so sad. It, like the harder I yeah. swim, the faster I sink. It's just so mm -hmm sad and i love i love all of her songs i think they're so they're so sad and i love how she like, like builds up to a scream in in most of them by the end of it yeah yeah there's a real there's a real anguish to this one um i yeah it kind of leaning into that sad energy kind of speaks to what you were saying about la versus new york where yeah good if you're in a shitty mood or you're feeling sad to just be like right we're gonna feel it we're gonna listen to some sad music and we're gonna yes we're gonna feel absolutely and like 
I, it's also my favorite genre of music, I think, that I would define as sad boy music, which would be right. Julian Baker, Boney Vare, like these, I just love, that's, I think, I think maybe because I spend most of my life doing comedy, I, I want right. to like, you know, the music that I listen to, I love like, you know, music that you'd listen to in, in the fall. I think that's probably right. my favorite, you know, you've got a sweater on you're feeling bad about stuff you're longing for what could have been yeah yeah absolutely julian baker's a, a, an artist that like i i've loved everything that i've heard her do but i haven't like done the deep dive as of yet because she um she played on a song with um a band called frightened rabbit who are my my favorite band and like i think for me the ultimate in sad boy music yeah um i've i haven't then, heard a ton by them but i do i really like what i have heard yeah yeah and then um the the project that she has with so with lucy lucy dacus and phoebe bridges yes um, called boy genius that's right yes i've heard a few of those songs and and also really like those i yeah. love phoebe bridges that's as well uh, yeah. she was so, she I, like, definitely had some songs the moon song was definitely like a runner-up for uh right for this okay. category um strongly recommend then night shift by lucy darkness it is yeah heartbreaking and beautiful and like if, if you like those two you'll definitely like her 100 percent. download it right um, now yeah um but yeah i think yeah i think i that about covers it. It's it, uh, yeah. It's good to lean into the sad feelings. I talk about that a lot on this show, um, but it's 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 nice to have those songs. And this this will definitely, I think th this is one of those songs that makes me want to get into the artist more because, as I say, I've, I've listened to a bit of her stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah. I need, well, I need a bit of time to actually listen to music that I want to uh, want to listen to. But um, and I but would yeah, start I with Turn Out the Lights. I think that that album is great. I haven't. I haven't done yeah. as deep a dive on the later stuff, so I will not vouch for okay. it. I can't speak for it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not going to at you if I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, song six is a song to relax to. So you've gone for Ancient Highway by Van Morrison. Yeah, this came on. I remember this is also this would qualify in my sad boy, you know, not mm -hmm. not Van Morrison in general, but like it's definitely music I'd like I listened to in autumn. Like I remember right. it was fall. I was in upstate New York at an Airbnb cabin with a group of my friends and this just like came on the Pandora and it's like and it was on for a long time. It's like a 7 minute long song or something. Yeah, yeah, and I remember being like, kind of just being like, "Oh, what's uh, what is this song?" Not really thinking about it, and then like a few minutes later, being like, "I kind of like this," and then a few minutes later, being like, "This is still going on. I love this song. This is incredible." <laughs> and uh, I downloaded it, and yeah, I I loved it, and that and it really began me loving Van Morrison. I'd always liked mm. him in the past, but then that made me want to hear more from him because you know it's 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 very different from his more upbeat songs yeah and uh yeah i 
I I really like it. It's also such a strange song because it's just like he like just starts mumbling at a certain point where he's not even saying lyrics. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you've heard his more recent stuff, but it is bonkers. Like yeah. he has there. It's like, you know, all of his lyrics back in this time, you know, like the into the mystic time. It's like there's these beautiful lyrics. It's like absolute mm-hmm. poetry. And now his song lyrics are like that, like the government website said COVID-19 would only be two weeks. Long. It's like, so it's like, there's a, he has a song called why are why are you on Facebook? Like, it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> please, <laughs> please stop recording music, man. But everything <laughs> up until a certain point, I, I really, I could just listen to Van Morrison albums all day. I love like yeah. putting him on, putting on an album just in the morning and, and I don't need to like, I'm not worried about what's the next song or what should I put on after. It's just like, Oh yeah, just play. I think that's like yeah. the one Pandora station that I regularly listen to is like, like Van Morrison Pandora I'll put on and I'll have a good time. Yeah. He's definitely one of those artists for a long time that I judged by the one song of his that I knew. Like I yeah. assumed that all of his music was Brian Eye Girl. Yeah, um, me too. Same. And then, yeah, taking a while to get into this. Um, it's funny you said about the, the mumbling. Um, there's a game that we used to play at, uh, house parties I don't know if you've ever played it but it's um, we call it fishbowl and you basically it's like charades kind of thing so you write like a parcel yeah, well, of the thing I think yeah we have uh, we call it celebrity and it's like the first right, time okay. you can say any number of words the second time one word exactly. third time you charade it yeah yeah exactly that exactly that I feel like there's a similar thing going on with Van Morrison over the course of this song where like at the start he's allowed to use all the words and then by the end it's like you're only allowed to use sounds. Yeah, that's 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 very good. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And I'm like I'm fine with it. I'm just like, yeah, great. Also, horns. Yeah. Horns like low horns in the back of a sad song. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I mean um yeah, I think more seriously about his vocals, I think it is. Oh, this is going to sound wanky, but I think he is he's using his voice as an instrument in the same way, like like a horn player or a guitarist would. Which is like once you are in the rhythm of the song and you're feeling it, you just sort of like it just flows out of you, and you're just yeah. like vibing with the song. And I think that's what he's doing. Like he has the lyrics, but it's just sort of like he's just sounding it out and that's what i find really compelling about it really relaxing about it because yeah like it sort of just takes you away a little bit yeah. and i feel it's it's a very reflective song i think which is why yeah I really it's like a relaxing song hypnotic in a way yeah like yeah yeah it's because it's like yeah it's like similar it's like almost just like waves crashing against you it's like yeah but each one is the same but it's like a very long wave so you mm-hmm. you know it it almost you know there's differences within that but then it just kind of starts yeah. over again and yeah. yeah yeah um yeah absolutely all right song seven is a song from your preteen years so you've gone for that crossroads by yes. thugs and harmony love this song i bought several bone thugs albums on cassette to try to find this song because way back right. in the prehistoric days when I was buying music, it was like yeah. you didn't 
it's like you'd hear a song on the radio and be like, oh, okay, that's Bone Thugs and Harmony, but I have no idea what album it's on or where to find right. it or anything. And there were like several Bone Thugs and Harmony albums at the Blockbuster Music or wherever I was buying sure. CDs. And I remember just being like, oh, it must be this one or this one. And then finally, actually, I remember now, I think I recorded it off the radio onto a cassette because I could never find it on a CD because I also wow. was scared of salespeople and I would not ask for any help. Um, <laughs> but so I recorded it onto a cassette and then, but it was always so much work to like listen to a cassette. And then when Napster yep. happened, it mm. was the first, it was, there was two songs I downloaded first. One was Blink-182's Damn It and the other was this Bone Thugs and Harmony the Crossroads and I listened to this on loop to and memorized all of it uh, right. and loved it and I, I didn't listen to any other Bone Thugs songs except for Ghetto Cowboy which I also memorized and loved <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't like I, didn't, I never even I, I should now look and, and see if I would like any of their other music but mostly mm. Mostly, it was the crossroads. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like a lot of the um, a lot of the songs in this category typically are um, like '90s pop. Is yeah what it tends to fall into. It's funny listening to a '90s hip hop song and still being able to tell it's from the '90s. Yeah, like, there's yeah. something very, very '90s about um, just just certain parts of the musicality. I can't quite put my finger on it. But, yeah, um, like you can tell. Um. It was a fun song. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it's it's great. I, it, and it's yeah, it's great. I love it. I still love it. I think it holds up. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Song eight then is a cover. So you went for Lizzie. Yes, um, the doing Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness, which was there were a couple songs that I could have chosen for this. Uh, a couple mm -hmm. covers that I, I really like but the thing that I like the reason I chose this is an ex once showed it to me we were just showing each other fun YouTube videos and right. I had never heard the song before so it was my first exposure to the song which right. had I heard the song before you know maybe I wouldn't have liked this 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 mm. cover of it but like right. I it was it was just me hearing the song for the first time and the yeah. thing i like about it is kind of the thing that i like about covers in general is when someone who's so different from that music mm -hmm. like i don't really know lissy's other music i i remember like l listening to some of it after hearing this because i was like oh cool she, and and also this specific cover it's live and she's like, she takes a shot of tequila and doesn't even wince, like right before she does it. And I was just like, oh, she is so cool. Like, this is like, mm. it made me like really want to be friends with her. And like, I, I just thought it was like such a cool performance. And then like her other music is like, I, I believe I could be completely wrong. I think I listened to a few songs around that time and it was like, kind of like softer sadder songs like lower energy I, I again i could be wrong i apologize to all the lissy fans out there but <laughs> i what i think is so cool about it is when someone from a completely different music genre does a cover 
and yeah. it like you know like the i think probably the most famous example is like johnny cash's cover of nine inch of the nine inch nails song um yeah. and then there's like and i i just think there's something that's so cool about that that's like mm. the type of it's where i think like i get what why cultural appropriation is not good and bad but i do think there's like the th- the thing i hope that doesn't get thrown out uh you know the baby that i hope doesn't get thrown out in the bathwater is that is the celebrating of other cultures and of other like you know of genres yeah. and like people you know uh like there's that great I forget who does it, but there's like a folk song cover of straight out of Compton. That's so fun to listen to. Uh, and then like, you know, it, it, it's like, it's just like different, just different artists covering each other's stuff and doing it in their style and in their way, I think Mm -hmm. is so cool. And, and I think that, that it's like the celebrating of other cultures is like, I think how we, you know, learn to like empathize. And I think there is good that can come from it. I think obviously it's a problem if someone is capitalizing off of the work of, you know, an underprivileged culture or, or I don't know if that's the right term underprivileged, but like, you know, I, I see why it's wrong and why it shouldn't be done in many ways, but there's, there's, you know, certain things on the outer edges of that, that are, that, that that could you know get classified as that that i hope don't because i think there's something yeah. that's so great about you know people doing stuff that is not in their culture to celebrate that culture and bring exposure yeah. to it which this song very much did like i then was like i hadn't heard much by kid cuddy at that point and i was like mm. oh i love this song if he does music like this i'm sure i'll like him and i i I did. I, there, I found a whole bunch of songs like it. Cutty, I, I loved after yeah. this. Yeah, it's quite difficult to get the balance sometimes because I think sometimes I agree with you on the covers, but I think sometimes, um, sometimes it's almost like the Weird Al thing where like the doing of the cover in a different genre is enough for some people. Yeah, like, um, like. W- white men with guitars doing like uh cool in the gang um mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing it's just it's a bit like all right it's the it's almost like the joke is i'm doing a a, a pop song or a funk song or a hip-hop song on an acoustic guitar sure i know I, I totally agree with you yeah. there i think I that think... that that by itself is not it's like it's when you know there is a something is being added to it uh i think yeah uh, that, that yeah. It, there's def- it, there's a definite well. authenticity to how this is done like there's a there's yeah. a very genuine love in it um i don't know if you've seen the video of kid cuddy performing this with lissy no <laughs> i oh, haven't okay. i'm surprised um, i haven't yeah yeah no it's it's very cool um they're in paris now, I'm not like thinking about it, I'm not 100% sure if that's Paris, Texas, or France, but mm-hmm. um, but she does the same thing. She takes a shot of tequila. Uh, Kid Cuddy's up on stage with her, and he is in his element. Yeah. He is so happy to be there. 
really enjoying it and yeah sings along like it's in a different key to his as uh-huh. well when she says that at the start um but yeah it's 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 a real like i i felt quite emotional watching it it's very very joyous because yeah yeah he's very much enjoying what she's doing she's obviously i think that song brought her a lot of attention as well and it's a, a very popular cover now and she's done great stuff with it um so there's a very genuine sort of shared love between them which was yeah a little a little bit emotional watching it, it was um, yeah yeah it's quite inspiring it was lovely yeah yeah that's great i'm gonna watch that as soon as we're done <laughs> yeah happy days uh, all right song nine then is a song you would sing at karaoke so you're yes. going for how much is that doggy in the window by yes that's correct i chose i choose this regularly at karaoke if the place has it uh because okay. it is short and i am a bad at singing so okay. i like to choose a real quick short song that will probably get a laugh uh when people right. initially hear it uh, yeah. I like this song also because there's like, I I will sometimes like, you know, usually if I'm doing karaoke, I've had a drink or two and I'll end up like, I'll do a very creepy rendition of this and then I'll like kind of like riff towards the end and talk about like make fun of the song a little bit. I it's, okay. And it tends to be a crowd pleaser. It can right. veer into a crowd confuser. Um, but that's yeah. that's been fewer than, than the other option that's the weirdest yeah. way of phrasing that it's happened uh, <laughs> less times than it has not happened okay yeah another song um, wheels on the bus go round and round that's a quick hit you're in you're out everybody knows the lyrics they're confused as to why i did it ideally they laugh <laughs> yeah i know you say it's a short song but i feel I feel like if I did this, it would be the longest song in the world. It's still two and a half minutes of how much is that doggy in the window, and I feel like the joke lands in the first yeah. five seconds. So yeah, like well, that's why I sort of will riff on it because yeah, you do need yeah. to like I'm glad do more. That, but yeah. it also it's like there's no one's no one's like you you butchered how much is that doggy in the window. They're like <laughs> yeah yeah that's fine. Like I it'll, if I sing any other song, they're gonna be, be upset. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no one's sacred cow is Patty Page. Uh, I get no. it. That's, that makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. We've had a lot of strategic choices on the show, so I um I respect it. I admire it. Um. All right. Song ten then is a song that reminds you of a specific place. So oh yeah, for Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. Yes, Peter Gabriel Salisbury Hill. I heard this song on the Vanilla Sky soundtrack. And I was okay. like, oh, I love this song. This makes me feel like warm and cozy. And like it made it when I heard it, I was like, oh, this song this like, feels like the song that would play after you've like just had sex for the first time and you're driving <laughs> home and you like everything's going to be OK in the world. And like you're in love. And yeah. and I made a promise to myself that I would listen to Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel after I had sex for the first time. And two years later, sure enough, my girlfriend and I, we were, we had, we were gonna, we had planned out that we were gonna have like a romantic night of sex for the first time when there was gonna be candles and there was gonna be a dinner date and it was gonna be like this really special occasion. And then- 
we ended up getting so overwhelmed with passion that we did it two days before then in the afternoon when we were already running late to a movie which was i believe the mike myers cat in the hat movie so we bang it out for the first time yeah it's fine because it's always (laughs) fine the first time you have sex then we get into my yep. car and we're speeding to the North DeKalb uh, Mall where there's yep. the, the movie theater that's playing Cat in the Hat. And I realize halfway there, I'm like, oh, wait, hang on, I have to play a song. And I popped on old Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. And she was like, why are you listening to this? And I was like, Shut, <laughs> you're ruining this. Stop talking. Uh, anyhow, that moment was not at all what I thought it would be. So now Peter Gabriel at Salisbury Hill reminds me of being freshly unvirgined on my way to, to see a absolutely medium comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's broken me a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, yeah. And so, I still like it. I still like the song. As, it's a great. Uh, it's a great song. Like, it's yeah. it's one of those songs that I um I knew I knew, but I hadn't really listened to properly. Um, Peter Gabriel's an artist that I've like ignored for a while because he was a bit of a like your dad's music. He's a bit of a meme. Yeah, I don't um, know any of, of his other music. I don't think <laughs> I, I know this. Oh, song. You might you might know Sledgehammer. It's quite. It's it's one of those ones. That you probably. Yeah, know maybe. Um. But um, so yeah, so, so so listening to this song for this show is the first time that I've really properly listened to it. So still a little bit fresh in my head. So just so you know, uh, I will never be able to hear this song without thinking of this story. You know. So, yeah. Great. Well, good. I've infected you with <laughs> <laughs> with that disease. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm happy for it. Okay. Perfect. Um. <laughs> song 11 is a song that reminds you of a specific person yes. so you've gone for be good to yourself by journey yes so journey i was unaware of journey until i got to college i was 18 years old and right. me and my roommate whose name was roger moore uh which you know he no relation to the former (laughs) james bond but his name was roger moore and he was also from georgia like me but he was more of like a a broy guy and he was like really energetic and he was and he i was fascinated with him as a person and loved him dearly because he was always so he was like so excited to go out on a friday night and he would like slap his thighs and he would be like wow like he would do he would be like wow constantly about anything about drinking about partying about partying with girls he was like so earnestly in love with like yeah. friday night and sure. we both i i think he was like i i think i heard don't stop believing for the first time around this time and yeah. was kind of like i had always kind of thought of journey as kind of like a uh, like a punchline like like oh that's the band yeah. from the 80s you kind of make fun of and i heard don't stop believing and i was like this song fucking rocks 
I loved it yeah. so much. We would always like listen to it like as we were pre-gaming and if it came on at a bar, we'd be like, this is our song and we'd rock out to it and like everybody in the world was also doing that at the exact same time and no one's unique. Um, yeah. And, but we got, I started getting really obsessed with Journey. We started listening and like, and he was like right there with me and we were like, just listen, we're just blasting Journey in our room in 2005 or whatever. Uh, yeah. And we like we're listening to all these deep cuts, <laughs> Journey songs, and the one that he liked the most was Journey Stone in Love, but I didn't choose that. I chose Journey Be Good to Yourself because that was the one that I liked the most. That was like, oh, that's right. the song I really listened to. And then me, him, and my buddy Dan went to go see Journey in Atlantic City. We didn't gamble uh-huh. at all. We took a bus right. in. We saw Journey. The concert ended. We sprinted, got on the last bus back to New York. Uh, it was great. They came out. They began with Be Good to Yourself. And Roger and I, like, hugged each other because we were so excited. We were like, oh, my God. And they played all of the hits. They played everything we wanted them to. It was great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's – I just will – I will – Journey, I will never not think of Roger Moore – we lived together for three years. It was so fun. We had so much fun. And like, <laughs> I saw him at a bachelor party a couple months ago. And it was like, it was just like, it all came flying back. All of college yeah. and journey and us talking about journey. Um, and it, it's just so fun. I don't know. It's like, and it's always like, it was something I remember talking to some older woman around that time and being like i i like journey and she was like you like journey like everyone was so (laughs) was like you're like you're going to see journey live and it was also Mm. the crowd for this live show was like there was no one below the age of like 42 like it was them and then and then the three of us who were i think 21 maybe 20 at the time honestly and like we were we rocked out and everybody else like stood politely (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that kind of makes sense to me because i think i don't think a lot of people do a sort of deep dive on journey like i know don't don't stop believing that's like for me that's that's their song um yeah i hadn't even heard this before doing the this playlist um it's fucking great it's such a good song and steve Perry's uh, voice is incredible i will listen insane. to his voice and sing whatever uh <laughs> and it's so great and and yeah they've got a lot of good songs i uh, open yeah. arms that rocks uh don't stop believing obviously uh what is it separate separate ways watch the separate ways music video if you want to have yourself a great laugh it is the most 80s thing in the world um yeah it's great there i i will always have fun with journeys playing excellent yeah it's yeah it was it was it's a great song and yeah again i i'm learning a lot about music from doing this show but i'm also learning really stupid things like maybe some bands are more than the one big song that i've heard um so yeah like i definitely want to 
I'll, I'll be listening to a lot more Journey because this this song was epic. Yeah, it's also funny. I'm like sold. the history of Journey is like they were like an instrumental jam band for a long time, and then right like they were more about like we're just doing the pure music, and then Steve Perry joined, and they became you know a massive right. sensation and like the lead guitarist I, I think it was the lead guitarist was like this sucks i want to just do <laughs> i want to do like just music but they're making so much money that he was like ah fuck it whatever and now you can't not play the, those songs and they oh they release new music and i can't imagine i can't if you went to go see Journey and the, you, they played the new stuff, the, the audience would riot. It would, I would be so pissed. <laughs> the idea of like reluctantly playing "Don't Stop Believing" is very funny to me. Yeah, like that song uh, with that energy. I think he specifically hated open arms. He was like, "This is like girly shit," <laughs> and it became like one of their biggest hits. And and then he had to play it all the time. And I think they there's like in some documentary that I watched because I was obsessed with Journey for several years. He was yeah. like he played it once for like an arena, and it was like everybody was loving it. And he was like, "Yeah, I guess it's all right." <laughs> so I think like <laughs> you know, if people even if you hate the song, if you know twenty thousand people all sing along to it and are all loving it, it's gonna it, you're gonna soften a little bit gonna have an impact yeah yeah for sure yeah <laughs> um, all right then song 12 is a song that motivates you so you've gone for kendrick lamar rich spirit yes and i could have chosen a number of kendrick lamar songs for this because really like i think he's the him as an artist motivates me so much specifically mm-hmm. after listening to the dissect podcast i don't know if you've heard that but it's this podcast hosted by Cole Kushner, who for every season of the podcast, he takes a different album and each episode is a track on that album. And he like dissects that song to, you know, what's happening musically and it lyrically, all this different stuff. And he's done two Kendrick albums, two seasons mm-hmm. uh, that are Kendrick albums. And I've only listened to the one on the Good Kid Mad City album, but it is like my buddy Jeff Ward like really insisted that I I listen to all of it. I listened to this whole season and it it blew my mind what Kendrick Lamar is doing with these songs. Like he's really like and with these albums, like with the album, the whole album is is more like a movie than it is like a series of songs like so many albums mm-hmm. now are just series of songs it's just like here's the 10 best songs there's not doesn't seem to be too much thought yeah. put into like how those flow because that's just nobody listens to music that way anymore Kendrick Lamar right. it, it's like you want to listen to it in a specific order there is like imagery that's being built and and referenced and called back to and there's a whole journey each album mm-hmm. it like takes a character that is like a version of him on a journey and, th- and it's like really like the classic joseph campbell hero's journey uh and it's like so amazing and he does this and he doesn't like the amount of work he puts in the things that he's referencing the, like genius little things that he'll do with lyrics and then he doesn't talk about it at all 
he like will do a few interviews here and there but he's not like if i was doing this work i would be in every interview like do you guys know how fucking good this album is like you don't even understand how much work this was and did you see did you get that this is a reference to this thing and that this is like uh, you know uh referencing that so that i think is like I, I'm just so blown away by him because I think he's just do he just cares so much about this art form and like I I would say I'm like a moderate hip hop fan like I I like what I like I definitely don't you know mostly listen to hip hop but like I really like I mean Kendrick Lamar I'll listen to everything he ever does because like right. like when somebody works that hard at something and is that passionate about it and is that good at it it's like it could be in any genre and I'll really enjoy it and yeah. he's it's so good and then this is just my current favorite song by him Rich Spirit um uh, and specifically I love the line uh I mean, I love so much about the song, but I love the line, bitch, I'm attractive, which is mm-hmm. not about, you know, physical looks. You know, the way I interpret it is it's like I'm attractive in terms of one, you know, it's it's clear within that album, this is, which is his new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. He's He has an earlier song where he's calling somebody ugly as fuck after in N95. He's like, you know, if you take off, all of these external things like your fancy clothes and your watches and your career like what are you you're ugly as fuck like your soul is ugly and it's like the Mm -hmm. bitch i'm attractive is clearly you know the opposite of that and it's about his soul is beautiful and it's i also view it as like attractive in terms of like energy in terms of like actually attracting good things into you and i I really like listening to this song and like walking around and just like feeling like it just makes me feel very like soulful and very like at peace with things. And then, and then also like, it just like reminds me to like work harder and to like, Mm. you know, bring, bring like, like he, he's raising the bar. Like in my mind, it's like, it's Kendrick Lamar. Then there's a massive drop off before, like who I would consider like number two, just because I yeah. just don't see anybody doing this, this much work for something. And I think like it's the people who do that work in different mediums that like, you know, they, they raise the bar. That's one thing I loved about mm. the, the French festival, the Edinburgh French festival. It's, it's like, Oh, everyone's yeah. like, you know, this isn't convenient for anybody. Everyone's like putting themselves through, physical and emotional hell uh you know and obviously it's very fun and great but there's like a lot of stuff that's taxing to like go and do art and like move the comedy needle a little bit further along like push the boundaries like you know inspire people and it was so inspiring to see people doing that um yeah i feel like that was like like bo burnham's uh uh inside I could have also kind of come in this category because I was just like, this is so far and away above what any other comedian has ever done. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I, I just, those, those people really motivate me and inspire me to be better. Yeah. Makes sense. I think, yeah, it, there's something about the fact that 
Kendrick and 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 Bo Burnham, but we'll focus on Kendrick. Um, he could very easily phone in his next album, right? He yeah. Could, you know, get a producer to make a beat, write his lyrics in no time. He could pop it out. People would probably still call him a genius, and he would make a lot of money. But there's there's hard work for the for the love of it, right? There's something he's like, yeah. He's, he's making something that is like bigger than him almost that he's like that's the that's the focus and he's competing with himself he's like he's like pushing because it's like you know in my mind uh he's so far ahead of everybody else that it's now it's like he's not even like i feel like he's not even giving them a second thought uh it's just like he's just like how do i go faster 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 uh, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so cool to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, song thirteen. Then is a song someone introduced you to. So you've gone for Bonnie Bear restart. Yes, Bonnie Bear. I love Bonnie Bear, and this was the first song I heard by them. And my my an ex girlfriend had showed it to me. I think she put it on a mix CD, and I I like just was so instantly in. And I, I love this song because you know, it was my, it's like so much of their music. I, I just love and I resonate with, and I never really know what the songs are about per se. And it's just like, and there's something about that that I love, but um, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like sad music, but it's also kind of like, I think there's something about sad music where it's, if it's particularly beautiful, it by itself sort of exists as the silver lining to sadness. It kind of shows you that like, you know, Mm. good can always come of something, even if it's just a great song or something like Mm. that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's, there's definitely a comfort to it. I think that's like, that's something I've talked about with them. with like Frightened Rabbit and, and Lucy Dacus as well is like there's there's very sad elements to what they're what they're singing about and what they're talking about but the the songs themselves are actually quite hopeful when you look on yeah. the outside it's like it's kind of like um it's like sad music when they're focusing on when they're talking about what has been rather than what's happening right now and in that sense it's almost like a it's like a celebration of how far we've come in yeah, that moment yeah. um and yeah, I think songs like this, there's there's definitely a real sort of, I know what you mean. There's there's something strangely comforting about sitting in that sadness, but being at peace with it at the same time. It's very difficult yeah. to explain, I think. But um, and I but think yeah, like no, a way of dealing with traumatic moments in your life is to, when you're in a good mood, think yeah. about that traumatic moment and. Mm-hmm like try not to let it you know sweep you into like the whirlpool but if you can kind of like sit on the shore and look at it and observe it from like a safe place you know you learn more about yourself and you learn how better to deal with things in the past and maybe like repair some past shit in your life Mm, yeah yeah and i think music is a really good tool for that and there there are certain songs that can definitely put you in that sort of mindset where where it is sad but it's not um it's not dangerous in any way it's not yeah. like you're gonna get you know too far into it 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love this song. Like I, I've, I've listened to a lot of Bonnie Rare, but like obviously it's put a lot, a lot of stuff. So I'm still discovering things and still, yeah. still albums that I need to listen to. So it's nice to have one to like really get stuck into for a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a beautiful song. All right. Song 14 is a song you wouldn't expect to like. So you're going for Graves into Gardens by <laughs> Elevation Worship. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a Christian rock song, which is a yeah. genre that I definitely like. would not have expected to enjoy something within i am not religious i do not you know i would i would do not particularly like religion Uh, i think that there's obviously some good things that can come from religion and if if it is helping you and your life great i i you know obviously there are many shitty things that religion has been responsible for and absolutely this type of music you know could be viewed as a means of brainwashing and indoctrinating people into Mm. like i could see like going to like a church to try it out and then this rock band comes out and plays a catchy song and everyone's vibing and you're like yeah great i'll you know why shouldn't gay people have the right to marry like you know and you get subbed up from it obviously all of that is horrible and i don't uh yeah. condone any of that that being said i don't even know how i stumbled upon this i was in like some youtube hole i think one of my friends had posted some other song by somebody i think he's religious and he posted a song by somebody who was like connected to this band and I listened to it, right. and I was like, oh, this is good. I mean, it's, like, very God-heavy. And then this song yeah. came on, and <laughs> I was like, I mean, this is insane. This imagery is is intensely God-heavy, and, and it's like, I was raised, I mean, my parents were not religious at all, but I was given the option. They took me to church because uh, they grew up in the South, and there was a lot of, I think, community pressure to, like, take your child to church and like expose them to religion and they were like well you know it'll be his choice and they took me to yeah. an episcopalian church which is the mildest of the religions it, it you know okay. there couldn't be like i think we had a gay preacher like it was lax as far as right. the the rules of christianity go and yeah. and i actually really liked i weirdly i like was into religion i liked stories and i was getting bullied as a kid and at sunday school i wasn't getting bullied and there were like girls there and i was like this place is great and they served donuts and it was great and it was episcopalian so we barely talked about god or christ or any of the the stuff that i maybe would have you know i think if you'd really warned if you really told me as a child i was going to hell i think i would have a much more negative view of things so I was just like, like, this place is great. And then I was, and then like, I kind of like, I was going to youth group all the time because we just didn't really talk about religion. And then later yeah. in high school, that youth group started talking more about religion. I was just like, oh, I don't, I, this is boring. And I didn't really think <laughs> much about it. Sure. And then like, I then, I, and I kind of was like, I, I don't really subscribe to a lot of this stuff, but, mm. you know, but I was like, but I still think there's a God. And then I went to New York and kind of was like, no, I don't really know that I subscribe to it, even even that. 
at all anymore. Right. And yeah. I, um, so like, it's just me listening to the song, but I think there's something like about this song. Like, this is a song that I would be, I'm being very honest by putting it in this category because it's not the thing that I, I would be like, you know, I, I don't know that I would like promote this music uh, per se, which right. is so funny because it's like religious people where the people would be like, I wouldn't promote hip hop and violent stuff. And I'm like, I wouldn't promote <laughs> Christian rock. Um, but it's, there's something about also, and this is like, you know, this is, there's no, there's some like Christian rock bands that I've heard that I've enjoyed where it's like, I didn't know they were Christian rock until later. And then I'm like, right. Oh, I guess I can kind of see that this, you know, from moment one, it is like, Oh yeah. You know, they're talking about forming like an army for Christ. It's crazy. And yeah. I think there's something that I I think is dangerous, but that I think my brain likes to indulge in a little bit of like, sure. I think like the idea of giving over to a higher power at its core is not so bad. I think when that right. higher power is a human being, that's dangerous. But I think sure. that the idea, I do believe that the idea of, putting aside your needs for that of the greater good be it yeah like you know in my life it's like for art for comedy like you know mm. staying up all night when i want to go to sleep to like work on a sketch because i'm like i you know i believe in this sketch and creating this funny experience for people and then also yeah. like with the relationship, I think that's what the beauty and joy of a relationship is. It's like you, you, you set aside your individual needs for the needs of the relationship. And in doing so, you know, in my twenties, I didn't want to do that. I was like, no, I want to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And yeah. what I learned and, and initially, like, so initially being in a relationship, I didn't like, I was like, Oh, my girlfriend's making me like, go out to dinner with her when I want to hang out with my buddies. And I learned slowly, but I learned that like, no, like being with someone and building something together and specifically sacrificing kind of what you want to do at times to like, to support another person, to give to another person is so beautiful and, and gives you such a deep, deep happiness that like, mm -hmm you know, doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it is like eating junk food. You know, it's like, right. It, it, it's so, so I do believe that like, you know, giving up your individual needs for that of the greater good is great. And that's like, you know, a similar idea to what religion is. And then it just gets completely, I, I that's when it basically after <laughs> that point is when I go, well, I don't agree with any of that. Anyhow, the song yeah. is a bop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah you, you mentioned auntie donna before the before the recording so um zach from auntie donna has been on the show and he talked about something similar um and i'm not i'll not go into all the detail because um i won't i won't do it justice it was really beautiful but it, basically what he said is like a i think it was an ex-partner of his he was at dinner with their mum, and 
she's very religious and she was an artist and they basically came to a sort of consensus almost where they basically established that they're both doing the same thing with their art they're both reaching for the same thing but for zach who's not religious he knows that what he's reaching for isn't there and it's the reaching itself that is enough for him Mm. that's the act that's the that's where the worth is whereas the the christian mother here was reaching for something and like she was reaching for god and the reaching for god was where the value was um so it's kind of like like you're both they were both basically doing the same thing and finding the same value but it's just the the target was almost the difference there um yeah it sort of stuck with me and i think it's similar to what you're saying joseph campbell in his book the hero with a thousand faces talks Uh exactly about this kind of about like you know this is sort of what the hero's journey is is like is you you know you get the call to adventure you leave the safety of the town you go out into the woods you fight the dragon and then you come back to the town with the spoils of war with the dragon's bounty and in re- and he's like that's what every movie is and that's also what every human's life is is that you right. are a child and you're being taken care of and all your needs are wanting are seen to and then you go out into the forest and you fight the dragon which is your own ego and mm-hmm. then you kill that ego and you come back and you uh, with like your the the treasure which is yourself mm-hmm. that you are giving right. to the town that you are giving to this to this to support something greater than yourself and he yeah. talks about like there's certain religions i'm gonna like i uh, this is gonna be horrifically paraphrased but it's like there's certain re- it's <laughs> he's worry. basically like this is every religion is basically mm-hmm. this and there's some teachers of these religions who are like you you need the religion you need the imagery of this religion to get mm-hmm. people to do these steps to do this journey and then they transcend the imagery they no longer need the i like all the like the different characters and stuff like that they and and i'm like oh that's interesting it's i i would support that idea of religion and then i think it's like you know all these religions so many have been fully corrupted and they get hung up on like you know you can't wear can't wear red pants on a Wednesday or whatever. God yeah, doesn't sure. like that. It's like, what are we talking about here? You know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's uh, that I, I can totally connect with what he's saying there. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I actually like, I, I grew up um, Christian. Um, I stopped being religious when I was, I don't know, 15, 16 or something. And um, I've, I've always thought actually that, that there are, I'm still grateful for my Christian upbringing because I think there are certain values that I was taught that I think are still very dear to me. And obviously there's a lot of shit that I was taught that now I look back on and think you're fucked in the head. But um, I think, you know, I was able to take the positives from it. and Yeah, and that's... That's interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of great ideas there and i think the idea of yeah. coming together as a community once a week and giving thanks for what you're grateful for and like helping each other out is such a beautiful idea and it's a shame mm. that that doesn't really manifest outside of 
you know, outside of religion. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I suppose it does in, in certain ways. It's just not necessarily a scheduled every yeah. Sunday type of deal. Yeah, I get you. Um, but, but going back to the music, um, I, I kind of, I was thinking about this when I was listening to this song because one of the things that I did when I was, a when I was like early teens, um, and still religious is like, there were sort of Christian festivals and things that we go to. So like this put me back in that mindset of like, it was very, very similar kind of music. And I remember, um, when I was at these events, like I always felt very spiritual. I felt very, very good. Um, when I was listening to songs like this, I could feel this sort of like euphoria um, come through, like uh, like moving through my body, and like I just like I felt very at the time I felt very close to God when I was like listening to these songs and I was in that environment. And then uh, I went to a Muse concert, and I had the exact same feeling. Yeah, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that might not have been God. That might just right. be I like this music, and it's built in a way to make me feel things. Right, which is the you know possibly dangerous part of music like this, where it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's gonna make you feel something, but it's not necessarily, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's then how yeah. do you use that to like, you know, hopefully that's being used for the best. It is very ironic and hilarious that I, we view Christian music as a pathway to something <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's that's just because they're the ones that are like, you know, we're listening for like satanic messages and Van Halen albums <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but no, I, I just I, I feel like I, I've thought about this quite a lot since then, and I, I I do just I genuinely just think that there are it's it's quite a small pool right of um, Christian rock groups, and I think they're all sort of singing from the same hymn sheet. I didn't mean to use that phrase, but um, I think yeah. they're just like they they all sort of have the same like inspiration. Um, and then they sort of use the same sort of effects and chord progressions and yeah um i think there's just like i think they build songs to feel something and i don't think that's cynical but i think that's just like that's just what christian rock is 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 very paint by numbers it's very exactly yeah exactly but it's still like it there's it's still it has that sort of quality to it where you feel something listening to it and i felt like i felt that listening to this song as well like there was there was part of me that was definitely trying to resist because it did put me back in that headspace but there is still something very compelling and very like uplifting about listening yeah. to that kind of that kind of music yeah 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 um all right song 15 then is a song you think everyone should listen to so you've yes. got for under pressure yes david bowie love this song i did hesitate to put it because it feels like a song that everybody will listen to and i it felt like maybe i should you know use this category to promote something that that people might not have heard but ultimately like i i chose this specifically for the final verse uh Mm, just because it's like the the bit where it's like and love's such an old fashioned word and love tears you to care for the people whatever that whole run 
I think I, I'd never, I'd heard the song before and I'd always been like, yeah, I like it. And then my buddy Jeff Ward in his, like in a play that he did, he talks about that final verse and that made me really hear those lyrics. And like, those lyrics are so incredible and so Mm -hmm. like inspirational and and great. And like, uh, uh, you know, I think, and, and I also just musically at that moment, it's building to such a great point. And I, I, you know, it's, and so it's like that's kind of the bit that I think everybody should listen to that humans should listen yeah. to it's a song that doesn't seem to be in any danger of going out of style like it's right. definitely stood the test of time mm-hmm. and I hope that it uh, continues to because I think it's it's just such a great important song yeah yeah I think it's uh, we've sort of touched on this already, but it's definitely one of those songs that I think people don't pay enough attention to because they feel like they know it. I'm very guilty of doing this a lot with like with popular songs where yeah I've heard it a couple of times, so I'm like, no, I know that song, so I don't actually like I never listen to it because I feel like I know it. Um, and I did I like again listening to to this song properly for this show was an experience because. I think there were certain elements of it that I've never really paid much attention to. Obviously, know the song pretty well. Uh, thought a little bit about Vanilla Ice, unfortunately, but yeah. Um, but it is—it's a beautifully written song, and like the more you pay attention to to Queen and David Bowie, the more like you, you realize that they are considered to be geniuses for a reason, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's a perfect song it's an incredible yeah. song and yeah the 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 lyrics at the end i hadn't ever paid much attention to what was being sung there um, yeah so yeah I'm. I'm it's also it. like i don't think we're gonna get another david bowie anytime soon and like no. it's I, I just yeah i think he specifically i mean obviously freddie mercury is incredible and an incredible performer and musician and songwriter but like David Bowie just thought so differently and mm. was so, you know, just really just changed so much and just did whatever the fuck he wanted. And it was so mm. cool to watch uh, and yeah. so inspiring. And it does really feel like, you know, this is almost like two aliens talking to the human race and like really, <laughs> you know, trying to impart some uh trying to impart some message to us yeah sure <laughs> well what a lovely note to end on nick so um we'll, we'll wrap it up there do you have anything that you want to uh plug or promote here while i have you um n- no i guess you could come see okay. if you're in the states actually you know what i do have something to plug we're gonna come the uh britannic which is the name of my sketch uh duo uh, we're mm-hmm. going to come do a UK tour uh, in early 2023. We're going to be definitely in London at the Soho Theatre, and then we'll be traveling around the UK uh, at the in like at the end of February and in March. Uh, so, okay. uh, yeah, come see it. Come see Britannic whenever, whenever I don't know you you see a flyer. <laughs> okay, happy days. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thank you, man. 
And that is it for episode 45 of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, go and follow Nick on the socials. It's all in the um, description of the podcast, but Nick Coker on Instagram. Uh, the Soho dates he's talking about there um, for Britannic in London. It's the 27th of February till the 4th of March. So if you're London-centric or can get to London, go and see him. Um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, the other thing that um, Nick has released since recording, actually just in the last couple of days, is a short film that he wrote back in 2018. It stars Karen Gillan. Uh, it's called Eureka. It is brilliant. Uh, it's really, really good. I, I just watched it. Um, it's 20 minutes. Go and watch it. It's free on YouTube. Yeah, well worth your time. If you want to support this show, a couple of different ways you can do that. We do have a coffee link set up, so if you want to give us a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed, no monthly obligation, no pressure there. Um, but you can do that through the, the link tree, also in the description. And yeah, if you're not in a position to do that, then all the other things, uh, rate us five stars wherever you can, leave a review, say nice things, follow us on Instagram, tell your friends, all that good stuff. It's all much appreciated. I'll be back next week for episode 46. So in the meantime, look after yourselves and we'll speak to you then.